Hey, everybody. Welcome back to our Sunday Table podcast. We're back, so you're back. <laughs> Did I say that right? Yes, something like that. I'm Tina Cisneros. Joining me is my co-host and sister, Angie. Hi. How's it going? It's good. How are you? Good. Excited. Uh, we are in season two of our Sunday Table. Yes. Season um, two, because we took a break. A long one. <laughs> a long break. Season two is usually better than season one. I think that that would be the case. I would say that's true for The Office. I'd say that's true for Parks, Parks and, and Rec. Rec. I'd say that's true for It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. I mean, you know, test it. season one is just a test drive. Yeah. You know, you're just trying to get everything figured out. You're trying to get get comfortable with yourself and the equipment and what you're going to talk about. Yeah. So it's just, you know, you have, and we have had a little time to grow and develop and learn more. True. And become interested in more things. True. And so now here we are sharing our knowledge and our interests with everyone. Yeah. So if you think about it like that, we were just doing some research. Totally. I right? Yeah. <laughs> 100%. So. <laughs> Not, we were broke and lazy. And <laughs> we had a lot going on. We had a lot year. going Since on. Since you yeah. heard from us last, we moved into a new place. I got a new job. Yeah. Um, we had just a lot of different things going Holidays on. Holidays hit, vacation hit. We were saving up to attend our friend's wedding in Jamaica, which we just got back from. So it seemed like no time but the present to start start anew. I got inspiration. I got I was refreshed from right. my vacation. Absolutely. And, and I think we were wanting to kind of start the podcast again sooner than we did right but you know stuff you know we things happen things happen we're trying to figure out what day works best for both of us and yeah you know um with the schedule that would work best for us right so with our rebirth reinvention um we did a little bit of we're doing a little bit of reformatting um we're gonna do the episodes a little bit different than we have been than we did the last time around Mm -hmm. with season two we're hoping to do a little bit more of a reformatting and kind of restructuring of the show. That said, we're only going to do two episodes a month. When we were doing season one, we were doing weekly episodes, and that got to be a little too much. Just, it's a lot. It's a lot to produce an hour-plus-long podcast every week. So we're, we're going to do twice a month, and that'll make it a little easier for us on the pocketbook as well, because... Mm-hmm. You know, these grocery, weird grocery store <laughs> snacks ain't, they ain't cheap. cheap, honey. No, they're not. <laughs> and we're going to do, instead of doing, like, exclusively, like, cooking our own recipes, we're going to be kind of getting a little bit away from that and just expanding into, like, food in general. We're still going to cook for the show, just maybe not every time. And we're still, we are might not even be cooking our own recipes. We might be cooking a recipe that we saw online or got from a different cookbook. Um... And basically just kind of bringing our presentation of that to you as well. We also are going to do segments more instead of topics. Mm -hmm. Um, The last season we had like a recipe and a topic and they often were not really related. Sometimes they were, but... Sometimes they were. Not all the time. Yeah. So what we're going to do is try and get a little more zeroed in on just the topics of food and cooking and eating and drinking um, and any like pop culture stuff that we talk about outside of that is going to be a little bit more closely tied to food and cooking, yeah, and drinking yeah. and eating, and the you know food and beverage industry and whatnot. 
Yeah, and just so. kind of a little bit more more far reaching with food and uh, less. I just think it'll be a better flow. Definitely, like less structured, but also more structured, but easier to kind of come up with more stuff. If that does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> You're anyway, like, no. if we haven't lost you yet, yeah. Um, thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening, and we're really excited to get season two underway. Indeed. So, in honor of season two, in honor of starting kind of new, kind of the same, we decided to start episode one of season two with what we know best, the two of us. Yeah. I'm a bartender. Angie's a cheesemonger. So, right now, we're having cocktails and cheese. What's better in life than cocktails and cheese? Nothing. Exactly. I don't think. (laughs) Maybe Um, having a dad? (laughs) Angie. (laughs) Um, oh, yeah, so true. Our first segment that we will be doing right now, is um, it's going to be a monthly segment. We're only going to, we're going to do like one per month and it's called drink this now. And it's basically, we're drinking kind of what we've been obsessed with right mm-hmm. now. So I made a cocktail. It is based on a cocktail that I discovered. I, so I have this hobby where <laughs> I basically just like google restaurants in other cities and google bars in other cities and just read their menus yeah it's probably weird probably not a lot of people do it i don't think it's weird but i found a bar in louisville kentucky called uh the limbo Mm -hmm. and being in what you just touched your feet with my feet oh i I thought it was chester no it's my foot Uh oh freak (laughs) so i found this Stay on task. I don't want to have to edit too much. Okay, go. Okay. (laughs) Um, So I found this, the website for a bar in Louisville called The Limbo. And being in Louisville, obviously there's a lot of um, bourbon influence there. So this is a tiki bar that makes all of their tiki cocktails with bourbon. So I decided to kind of steal a drink off their menu and this is the Jungle Bird. Um, the Jungle Bird was invented um, at the aviary in Kuala Lumpur in, I believe, 1948. Uh, that's the, I'll have to fact check, but that's my brief history of the cocktail, the Jungle Bird. But um, why I love this version with bourbon so much is that we are kind of right in the, I'd say we're straddling two seasons. Yeah. It's like still kind of cold, wintry, but like spring is trying to like pop through. Yeah, there's flowers blooming but Mm -hmm. it's still like 30 degrees at night sometimes yeah (laughs) so what i wanted to do with this my intention was to kind of show you guys a cocktail that um still has warm bourbon notes um it also has bitter campari but it also has lime juice pineapple juice and a little bit of sweetness with simple syrup which makes it kind of very like tiki bright spring and summery and it's kind of i think it's i think it's there what do you think it's definitely tiki you know, like you said, with the pineapple, the lime, um, it is extremely balanced. It's got the sweet, it's got the bitter, it's got the bourbon, it's got the tart, and it's also just refreshing. Yeah. I would be happy drinking this on a winter night or like a summer afternoon. You know? I agree. It's, it's really, really delicious. How to make this is, mm. it is one and a half ounces of bourbon. I used Old Forester because that's what they use at the Limbo. And then it's uh, three quarters of an ounce of Campari. And a half an ounce each of 
simple syrup and lime juice and then an ounce and a half of pineapple juice. And then you shake that and you strain it over crushed ice and you garnish it with pineapple fronds. Yay! Pineapple leaves. And um, a very cute swizzle stick. Yeah. Also from a, a favorite tiki bar of yours. The Inferno Room in Indianapolis, Illinois. <laughs> Indiana. Indiana. <laughs> Uh, but no, I love this. Like I said, it's 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 got the you know warming bourbon notes, but also the pineapple really comes through, and I think that that kind of it really plays well with the bourbon. That I never really, I guess, un- like notice that bourbon and pineapple play pretty well together. Right. Well, and I think um, in this as well, a lot of people feel like Campari is a very acquired taste, and you either love Campari or you hate it. And I think that with the – this is a really approachable drink for someone yeah. who says – if somebody says to you, I don't like Campari, and you kind of want to challenge them and be like, I bet I can make you like Campari, make this drink for That's them. like what I do at the, at the cheese shop. I don't like blue cheese. Oh, well, let me let you try this blue cheese. Right, exactly. <laughs> and I think with the simple syrup and with the uh, pineapple juice, that, like, cuts a lot of the bitterness of the Campari, and you're just left with, like, this faint, like, little back it's of your throat. It's on the back of your tongue, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's really nice. I like it. I will 100% be drinking this until we do another drink this now. Yeah. I'm obsessed with it right now, too. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've been kind of trying to study tiki a little bit mm-hmm. for the past kind of year and a half mm-hmm. or for a while. Um, and this is one of the – I'd say it's probably one of the easiest drink tiki drinks to make in that you probably, if you have, like, a decently stocked bar, you probably already have everything you need yeah. to make it. And, I mean, as long as you – I, and I think it's riffable, too. For sure. I think you can do different infusions with your... So, oh, also the original cocktail, the Jungle Bird, that was invented in Kuala Lumpur, was uh, is made with, with uh, black rum. Okay. So, yeah. Um, I, you know, it's funny, because you know, you talk, you're talking about the bourbon, and then you're talking about black rum, but the color of this is so pretty. Uh-huh. I feel like it would be less pretty with the black rum. I will even. say, because... It would cause be like a darker... It is darker. I've had it both ways, and... Um, and I've made it both ways, and it is a little it's bit like more orangey, where this is kind of like a corally, like coral, pinky. It's like my favorite color, almost. Uh-huh. It's just like corally, orangey, pinky. Perfection. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, so we want to, with our new season, we want to challenge you to drink this now. Mm-hmm. Um, please share pictures of your bourbon jungle bird with us on instagram and you can use the hashtag ost drink this now and that's going to be kind of our little hashtag for our um cocktails and like i think we're gonna do cocktails beer wine Wine, no to low abv um just what we like to drink stuff that we get inspired by yeah we want to try that we see people trying that we want to drink and then we become obsessed with it which is how it happens and (laughs) yeah i mean if you're stealing from other bars, cocktail Bars menus. Or, yeah. I mean, what do you... That's <laughs> come at me. <laughs> but, okay, but, like, who cares? Whatever, that's so fun because it's, like, yeah, maybe you stole from the, the co- bar's cocktail menu. But, like, that means you're just a fan. Well, and it's also not, like, it's not something I could have come up with myself. Sure. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, hair flip. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, anyway, so we'll uh, post the... Uh, we'll post a picture of this on Instagram. We will post the recipe for it on Instagram and... Um, we really want you guys to make it and drink it with us. And, yeah. Um, this will be kind of like our drink of the month, basically. Definitely. So anytime from the time you hear this until the time you hear us, do a next one. 
is what we this be is drinking. what we're drinking. So the bourbon jungle bird stolen so from the limbo in Louisville, Kentucky. Yum 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 yum. <laughs> is it my turn? Mm-mm. No, no. We're going to our OG our Sunday table segment. The OG. The OG. The original good. It's <laughs> called the original grocery oh. store taste test. Yeah. Um, so if you. O-G-S-T. Like Sunday table. Oh, original. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I get it. Um, so, <laughs> Angie, why don't you tell us what you brought to the table for this well, taste test? So I brought, I brought some um, goldfish. Except these caught my eye. Because, oh my god! <laughs> Sorry, I just noticed a little sh- cracker shape that they have. Anyway, it's goldfish. They are the new veggie crackers, which have a third serving of the vegetable that they're made with. Um, so this one has. Um, <laughs> I see I, a cracker <laughs> shape. <laughs> <laughs> the, the tomato one. Yeah. So uh, they have a tomato and a carrot flavor, a cheesy tomato and a sweet carrot. Um, I I think I heard about these on like the radio or something or on Food I Network actually saw an ad for them in a I, magazine. Maybe that's what I saw. I s- definitely saw them and then I s- walked past them in the store and I was like, ah, yes. And so I want to, tr- we want to try them. I want to see even, and, and I think that like stuff like this a lot of times is kind of like the packaging and like the Ma- just marketing like, for, yeah, like for parents to buy feel better about giving their, give, kids, giving their kids crackers. crackers. Cheesy crackers. Oh my gosh. They look like the little tomato ones look like jack o' lanterns. -lanterns. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm going to start with tomato one and (laughs) see what happens. So it smells like a regular goldfish. So are these just like, they're not made of tomato specifically? I don't know. I have to look at the ingredients. No, they're they're regular goldfish, but they're made with tomato paste powder instead. Same with the carrot one. I honestly powder. I worry about the I, I feel like the tomato can't be that bad. It's like doesn't really taste like anything. Like it doesn't the taste tomato? like cheese or tomato. The tomato is only for color. <laughs> Let me tell you. Yeah. There is not any tomato flavor in this. There's not any flavor. It's called cheesy tomato, but it, it doesn't even taste like a regular goldfish even. You know what you could do with those though? Just put them in soup. That's not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. On top of tomato soup. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. Yeah, it just tastes like a. You know how like a goldfish cracker like kind of ends with a cheesy flavor. It doesn't even it have that. It doesn't have any. Flavor. All right. So tomato, we have goldfish, the boo, carrot ones. Now we'll see. Tina doesn't even really like carrots. Mm-mm. It smells like. It smells like bird seed. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> the color is just a little bit more brilliantly orange. These suck. They don't taste like anything. But the carrot is awfully cute. Yeah, the carrot's cute, but and it's smiling at you. I will say, I am maybe tasting a slight, slight discernible sweetness compared to the other one. It is a little sweeter, for mm-hmm. sure. But generally pretty awful. Not a fan. It doesn't have even goldfish cracker flavor. That's <laughs> no. what I'm, like, mad about. Because, like, if you're going to make it vegetable flavored at least make it try and taste like also a goldfish also it says there's a third a serving of carrots in here a third of a serving is like one carrot <laughs> i was gonna say like what like would it just be easier to eat a carrot one like carrot. three carrots yeah 
and have your whole serving of carrots. I guess maybe it's for kids like me, like when I was a kid, that like wouldn't eat any vegetable. I feel like it doesn't even have the nutritional value of a carrot. Oh, definitely not. That's what I'm so confused about. Mm. Let's see. All right. It's got 90 milligrams of potassium in it, which is 2% the daily value. Yeah, no. I mean. Boo. Uh-uh. Boo. These suck. I These hate do em. suck. I'm I mean, going to feed them to the dogs. Yeah. But maybe I'll keep them around and put on soup because that's a good <laughs> idea. <laughs> All right. Like, they're basically just like a more colorful oyster cracker. Yeah. Next week on our Sunday table, tomato soup with tomato goldfish <laughs> crackers on top. All right. Well, why don't you tell me about the couple things that you brought us? Okay, so you got us the tomato and the carrot goldfish crackers. The shitty things. <laughs> I'm Not. so mad. They don't taste like anything. And so I kind of thought I wanted to follow along on the same theme of, like, healthier mm-hmm. snack foods. Um, so this I got in the organic aisle at Kroger. This is called Beanitos. <laughs> Homito Beanito. They literally look like Cheetos. Mm-hmm. But they're made of beans. Yeah. Uh, white beans, it looks like. Um, navy beans, which are Navy beans. beans, same thing. Um, and I... Oh, they're mac and cheese flavor. Yeah. Which, why wouldn't they just call it cheese flavor? Like, there's no way they actually <laughs> taste, like taste like pasta. pasta. The tagline is beans are better. Beans are great. I have no complaints. I love beans. I'm not beans. afraid of these. No. I don't think they'll be that bad. I feel like they'll probably be fine. But I will say, I wouldn't necessarily say they're like necessarily a healthier alternative to Cheetos. No. I mean, they're the same amount of calories as Cheetos. Cheetos. Like big Cheetos, not like the fried ones, big ones. Because they're 140 calories per serving. I Maybe less carbohydrates. There's 13. It's not That might really, be a little less. Than that's not really much. There's three grams of fiber. But okay, but aren't Cheetos just like baked or corn snacks? Yeah. So these are just bean snacks? Yeah. So put them together and you have a corn and bean salsa? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I will say, I just opened them up. I want to smell them. They smell kind of like dog treats. Oh, God. They they smell a little like milk bones, but a little like... They smell like cheese. A little like cheese and Cheeto kind Mm -hmm. of snack things. All right. These don't look really like they do on the package they don't look like like cheetos they look like those packing peanuts (laughs) they look like um you know the like cracker like the breadstick thing and chex mix yeah kind of look like a bigger version of that puffed up version yeah all right well here we go Mm. okay they they're harder than i thought they were harder Mm -hmm. i get a little bit of that like sulfuric, like farty bean flavor. <laughs> the cheese is good. I can taste a little, like, for real, like the little citric acid in there because mm-hmm. it gets that, like, tangy on your tongue. I don't even know. They're kind of drying out my mouth. They're kind of hard to swallow. It says every Benito's Crunch is a lean bean protein and fiber machine. I imagine if yeah, I had yeah. kids. And I was trying to raise these kids without an awareness of any junk food and only serving them things like beanie toes. <laughs> I can see maybe keeping these around my house. I don't mind them. I like the crunch and I like the flavor. But I wouldn't, I don't know, I guess they're different from Cheetos. I'm just curious who these are for. They did say they were low glycemic. 
and okay. gluten free. Oh, gluten free. Well, maybe gluten free kids. Okay. 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 I get that. I don't hate them. Mm. I think they're pretty good. They do have a little like of an addictive quality. I can't. Yeah. I, can't I think you know what I would maybe do with this is put this on like um like on a, like a snacking like a grazing kind of tray like a dip tray. Yeah, like a dip tray. They've got that crunch, and it's cool because they're if they're gluten free. If you have <laughs> people at your party who are gluten free or whatever, yeah, which is like a thing now. <laughs> but then that your friends come over for your party, they're hanging out and they're leaving. They're like, "Did you eat those shitty Cheetos they had?" <laughs> <laughs> or they're like farting all the way home, and they're like, "What the <laughs> fuck did we eat?" Yeah, uh, it was the Benitos. <laughs> mm, delicious. I like the cheesy powder on it. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, moving on from the Benitos. <laughs> This is, I need a sip of water for like a palate cleanser. Ditto. I think this is the one I'm the most scared of because. Oh, I agree. (laughs) I also didn't know it was a thing. I pulled it out of the fridge (laughs) and Tina was like, that's supposed to be a surprise. I was like, oh, it's in the fridge. (laughs) This next item was made for our Sunday table podcast. Specifically, it feels like this is 100% on brand. This is 100% on brand for this segment. In our very first episode, we taste tested yeah. peeps. Well, it's the springtime season again. Easter is just around the corner. And just when we thought they couldn't do anything weirder with peeps, they do. They did. They did something weirder and um, got weird with it. I saw it. There was one lone bottle of it. Do you think they only put out one bottle or do you think Mm-mm. that they... No, because I was at the store a few weeks ago and saw a bunch of them. But ladies and gentlemen, this is the uh, Peeps flavored International Delight coffee creamer, and it is it, it looks foul. It looks very off-putting. It's like bright yellowy green. Yeah. And it smells so sweet and like sickening. Mhm. It smells like a vanilla scented candle from like Bath and Body Works. So this is technically supposed to be marshmallow flavored. Yeah. Coffee creamer. Uh, so I'm just going to go. Oh, God. The color. The is color is very off-putting. It mm. almost looks like it's gone bad. <laughs> but it smells like, I mean, it's International Delight coffee creamer. Like, that's not even dairy, right? No. Yeah. All right. Well, here we go. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're putting so much in there. I know. I want to get a full taste I'm for so it. scared. Because I decided Tina was going to make up her coffee the normal way. Like, the normal way she makes her coffee every morning. But I wanted to just taste it by itself. In coffee. Yeah, I'm going to put some Splenda in mine. I'm really scared. Forgot (laughs) a spoon, so I'm going to stir it with my drink stirrer. You know, it looks like coffee. So, all right. Tina, I think yours is going to be so sweet. Oh, I have no (laughs) doubt. It smells so sweet. All right, here we go. Well, it smells bad in the coffee. No, it kind of just smells like a vanilla creamer. It's not bad. It's really not bad. It's not bad. It's a little sweet. Like, I didn't put any Splenda in my coffee, but Tina did. I will finish this. I'll finish the bottle. You will? I'll drink drink it in my coffee. Yeah. I won't drink it in my coffee. It's not too bad. Stick to regular half and half. It's got a little bit of, like, um, like a sweet I don't see. I don't see the difference between this and, like, a vanilla-flavored creamer. Yeah. I... Are you going to judge me? Are you going to take a swig of it by itself? Yeah. I want to do the same thing. <laughs> I just want to taste it by itself just so I want to know. I also spilled my coffee all over myself. <laughs> oh. Oh. It's 
so sweet. But in the coffee, it's not bad. It's Tina loves it. Oh my god. I actually like it a lot. <laughs> it's just so sweet. I'm here for it. I don't see what makes the Peeps version different from another like vanilla or like it sweet cream flavored like coffee yeah, creamer. Yeah, it has this very like familiar taste to it. Tina, another a third sip of the cream by itself. It is hurting my teeth. Yeah. Um, Tina also, it tastes like kind of like cereal milk, like Lucky mm-hmm. Charms milk, a yeah. little bit. Yeah, a little bit. That's what it's reminding me mm-hmm. of. But sweeter and less grain flavor. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's not, I certainly, I would say, I seriously doubt it's the worst flavor of International Delight coffee creamer. Yeah, it just kind of tastes like candy by itself. And then, like, tastes like when you have it in coffee, it just tastes like a sweet cream creamer mm-hmm. so i am a not little, bad it's not like i wouldn't even call it peeps flavored no 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 no, no. <laughs> it kind of tastes like ice cream base mm-hmm. yeah 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 like vanilla ice cream mm-hmm. base it's probably the exact same flavor as like the cold stone sweet cream do you know what i'm talking about yeah that's probably exactly what yeah it just it says it's limited hey, edition on it and throw it in your ice cream machine <laughs> it's pretty good ice cream yeah see what happens <laughs> all right funny. not bad i'll say it's not that bad yeah uh, and so the bonitos were good. The goldfish cold really fish fell flat. Yeah, the goldfish were duds. Disappointing. Don't give that to your kids. They'll be mad at you. Like, why did my mom eat Or do, me? if you want to, like, foster this, like, weird society and world for your children where, like, good-tasting <laughs> snacks don't exist. And also, like, vegetables are snacks now? Yeah. Just give your kid a vegetable. Or just give them a snack. <laughs> Just give them crackers or give them vegetables, but don't try it. Also, we're not going to tell you how to parent your children. We have dogs. Yeah, I actually am going to give these to my dogs. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that was good. Uh, Moving on. (laughs) Moving on, baby. We get to eat some more food. Do you have, like, an intro for... No, it's all you, baby. Angie brought us... I brought cheese. Imagine that. I'm the cheese person, so... So... She brought f- us four cheeses. Four cheeses. And they I brought them actually with the cocktail in mind because kind of when I was picking them out, that was what I was thinking. It was that they would be kind of paired with the cocktail. But I don't see why we we don't have to pair it with the cocktail, A, and but we can also. Yeah. So there's already a dog hair on the cheese. Great. Okay. So... What do we call this segment? Cheese, please. Cheese, please. Cheese, please. Okay, so I have a few cheeses that I brought. The Tina kind of also helped me pick out a little bit. It's blue cheese and a couple Italian cheeses. I don't know what... I think that those were just the ones I was feeling at the time because that was just how I felt. Um, so um, the first cheese that I have that is one of my favorites it was like one of the first cheeses i really had that i didn't that i like it was it was like the first cheese that i had that um introduced me to blue cheeses um which is bailey hazen by jasper hill Mm. in vermont um love you jasper hill this is a pretty famous cheese whether you know cheese or don't you know i've been seeing it on restaurant menus i've been seeing it um and i mean Maybe it's just me because I know cheese and I've just been seeing a lot, seeing it a lot. But I've been, like I said, I've been seeing it on restaurant menus. 
it's won a lot of awards um it's just a very delicious like i think it's a pretty um good blue to introduce people to blues that you know have all, if they like blue cheese dressing but they don't know what kind of like artisanal blue cheeses they like i think bailey hazen is a really good one to you want it yes give me some <laughs> talking about it and i'm like i see it i want it it's for you thank you for my chonk so, Bailey Hazen is kind of described by its, like, fudgy texture. Oh, it's got this really nice kind of, like, density. It literally melts in your mouth. Melts in your mouth. Um, it, it's, it's creamy, but it's firm and crumbly as well. And it it is just so delicious. But I did want to show you something because okay. you asked me um, – what gives it its fudgy texture? Why is it, you know, why is the texture like that? And I came across a video um, on Instagram of a tiny little baby Bailey Hazen blue cheese curd. And it is the cutest little thing. Is it an animated video? No. Oh. It's a video, but it is so cute. It looks like a little, like, chiclet. Marshmallow. And it, yeah, like a little chiclet or like a marshmallow. Mm-hmm. And it's pudgy and like pillowy. Yeah. But then it has like this snappy outside texture. But then when you break it open, it's like creamy and delicious and moist inside. Mm-hmm. And that gives way to, <laughs> you want more? Yeah. <laughs> that kind of helps with the texture, that helps with the texture of the cheese. Because, like I said, it's moist and creamy and dense. But then. So that that you just showed me as a curd prior to forming and aging. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what the blue cheese looks like before it gets... So, yeah, all cheeses begin in, well, as milk, obviously. And then, what? <laughs> oh, I just got a little, um, like, a, like a zoo flavor. It. So, okay, I'm glad you brought that up. Because that is, um, a lot of times those, like barnyardy cow you know hay grass yeah like the petting zoo no at the yeah. at the uh at the zoo <laughs> the petting zoo at the zoo yeah so that's kind of like very characteristic of raw milk cheeses um which bailey hazen is it's made with unpasteurized cow's milk um and it is um kind of characterized by the flavors of the farm so if you have a raw, a raw milk cheese, regardless of it's a blue cheese or a... Like Alpine style, cheddar, cheddar even. Anything that's... So basically any cheese that is made with unpasteurized milk is going to have like a barnyardy quality. Not always. It's not always going to have that super barnyard. Bailey Hazen is like the barnyard cheese for me. It tastes <laughs> like barnyard except for like Grayson, which is another one. But that's, like, another raw milk cheese that has that kind of, like, hay barnyard flavor. Um, A lot of raw milk cheeses, they kind of, like, get the grass, like, the grassiness Mm -hmm. um, that you wouldn't always get in a super pasteurized cheese. Okay. Not in a super pasteurized, but in just, like, your pasteurized cheese. Um, It is... That's like what I wrote down in one of my little notes. Is that's a tasting note, and it is also kind of an expression of the terroir. Sure. 
Which means? Vermont, which is essentially the taste of the place where that it came from. Yes. Uh, Vermont is, I don't know anything about Vermont. But, <laughs> but I mean, I think it's green and rolling hills and yeah. pastures and, and actually, mountains. I don't think there's mountains in Vermont. I think, <laughs> aren't there like ski lodges in Vermont? Maybe there are mountains. I don't know. <laughs> Someone who knows about geography, let us know. Um, so also something I wanted to point out is that this tree or this tree, this cheese is um really characterized by its rind as well. It's a natural uh-huh. rind um that you can eat. Um and it looks like it, when it's in a whole wheel in its whole truckle, it looks like a birch tree stump. Did you just say the word truckle? Yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> it's so it's like this large cylindrical like tall cylindrical cheese shape. It's like what a cheese. It's like what cheese is in before it's in a wheel. No. Oh. This the, tr- the there's like a Sorry. wheel of cheese, which is you know like you'll see like a wheel of parmesan mm-hmm. or a wheel of um, brie, even mm-hmm. like the rounder, more like um, flatter shape, I guess. Um, but a truckle is like a tall cylindrical thing. Okay. So yeah. So it's, it's like just a different shape. It's just a different can be shape in. and like. Some, you know, I guess you can call truckles wheels. Okay. <laughs> but. Um, I have a question that you might have the answer to, but you might not. Okay. So I was listening to NPR the other day. Sure. And they did a um, special, co- they covered um, this man who sells raw milk. Okay. And a lot of people, he said that a lot of his customers prefer to drink raw milk because um, basically of this, like, culture where people are afraid of GMOs and mm-hmm. pasteurization mm-hmm. and any sort of like kind of alt- altering of like a natural ingredient. Mm-hmm. Um, what the story actually w- ended up saying is that people, a lot of people drink raw milk and get, get sick, sick because sure. it, pasteurization is literally like, it's, it's like not consuming a pasteurized product is it, basically going back in time. Um, to an unhealthier time for food. But my question for you is, what is the difference between raw milk itself and a raw milk cheese? What makes it... Why... I mean, the, he was saying that raw milk is illegal. Is mm-hmm. raw milk cheese illegal? Obviously not. So, but what can you tell me about that? Thank you for bringing that up. Um, raw milk cheese is not <laughs> illegal unless it has been aged under 60 days. So six, the FDA um, says that if you sell a raw milk cheese, it has to be aged over 60 days. Um, so that's the reason why we can't get um, cam- like traditional camemberts imported from France, um, mm-hmm. s- like Revelations, um, which is another raw milk um, cheese that's only aged for like 30 days. Um, but so in France, there are different, um, obviously different kind of laws regarding that kind of stuff. But in the U.S., um, yeah, the FDA says it has to be aged over 60 days um, in order to be sold as a raw milk product. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, and raw milk um, is – it's really interesting. Raw milk cheeses, it, it says that the pathogens or whatever have been aged out, essentially. Sure. But I um, I prefer raw milk cheeses. They're more flavorful. Like I said, you get the more kind of the grassiness and the barnyardiness and the just like – the, the flavors of what the cows ate, mm-hmm. you know, or the sheep or the goat or whatever. And so I really enjoy raw milk cheeses, and I think that there's sometimes a stigma against raw milk cheeses. Sure. 
obviously, if you are like a, an immunocompromised person or a pregnant person or, you know, sometimes they even say, like, children shouldn't eat. Or the elderly. Or the, yeah, or the elderly shouldn't eat um, raw milk cheeses. But I think that if you are afraid of raw milk because you're like, oh, no, it's illegal. Like, people say we shouldn't drink it or eat it. You should eat it. Yeah. If you are, if you're not going to eat it simply because you're afraid, I think that that is um, not good. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, but I think if you're pregnant or old or young, <laughs> maybe you don't eat it. Cool. So What's our next cheese? Our next cheese is Bianco Sardo. This is one of my favorite um, sheep smoked cheese. It is from Italy. Um, it is um, a very nice uh, six to nine month aged um, sheep smoked cheese. Um, something that I wanted to point out, um, which is like pretty apparent when you see this cheese, is the rind. Um, it is kind of like a basket, um, mm-hmm. like texture. Um, that's because this this cheese is aged in baskets. Cool. Um, so it gets that kind of. And same with like a, if you've seen like a Manchego, um, mm-hmm. that has that kind of like a herringbone like rind a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's from baskets because that's what they're aged in. Awesome. Um, this cheese is a very very like hard it's a lot harder than a lot of cheese like a lot of sheep's uh, I, actually it's just a hard cheese <laughs> i don't even know what i'm trying to say mm. um it is a little you know it's like like this um little like sweet kind of grassiness um which oh <laughs> it tastes like a sheep it tastes like sheep so sheep's milk has this like very kind of um like sheep's milk cheeses have these very kind of like sheepy flavor to it may i say you can taste the wool <laughs> i hate that i told you that <laughs> so sheep's milk cheese i like can always pick out a sheep's milk cheese probably in like a blind taste test i could um all right well i can't wait to challenge you to that later it's very characteristic of sheep's milk cheeses it has the lanolin which is te- technically i guess like the wool, it's like, I've, I heard this in something or read it in something, and I probably should have fact-checked myself, but essentially that's kind of the sh- taste of, like, a sheep or a goat's milk. It's, like, considered the lanolin. It's that, like, kind of, like, tartness and the, like, sort of on the end of it. It's, like, animally. Um, it's Because it kind of has the same quality like a goat cheese almost, mm-hmm. where it's kind of, like, has that, like, it doesn't quite have that like aggressive like lactic tang that right a goat like a goat's cheese would have or like a traditional like a chevre, mm-hmm. um, but it has like a little still it's like goat cheese light I would say yeah um, and I think that probably makes it pretty accessible for people who don't like goat cheese. I also want to say I it has for me uh, the texture that I'm noticing it's a little less firm. Or a little less crumbly than like a Parmigiano Reggiano, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, or like a Pecorino, mm-hmm. but it is still kind of has a similar like flavor quality. Like it's kind of salty. Um, it doesn't. I don't get the crystals in it no. that you get with a lot of like a Pecorino. It's because um, it's, it's of its age. Right. Um, those crystals start to, start to form around like after nine nine years. Mo- no, oh. only like nine ten months. Ten. And you said months. that that's six to nine. About six to nine months. This one is a, it's like kind of a pretty um, traditional style. This is, like I said, it's a, I don't know if I said that, maybe you said it, but it's a little similar to like a Pecorino Romano. It's kind of used in the same way. Um, You know, the Murray's website says, 
you know, sprinkle it over pasta or shave it on top of pizza. Um, I like to do those things as well, but I also just like to snack on it. It's a good snacky cheese. It's good. It's got that, like, salty kind of quality, tangy, you know, the kind of one that you just want to keep going back for. Uh It has that grassy kind of little sweetness, too. Um, I love it. It's one of my favorites. What's next? Next, we have Shake Rag. Mm. Oh, this one is probably one of my favorite cheeses and one of my favorite creameries. So this is from Sequatchie Cove Creamery in Mm -hmm. Tennessee. Um, It is another raw cow's milk blue cheese. Give me the giant Uh, chunk. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you want a giant chunk of this because it's so good. So this is Shake Rag. This is another one that's won a lot of awards um, from Sequatchie Cove Creamery in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, Just outside Chattanooga, Tennessee, I believe, actually. But Shake Rag, this is from their website. They, um, Sequatchie Cove is so cool, and they are so inspired by where they create their product. Um, Everything is, like, named after the places that surround them. So Shake Rag is named um, from Shake Rag Hollow, um, which is atop the Cumberland Plateau, which is also an another name of their cheese, <laughs> another name of one of their cheeses. But it says that it's that the hollow is famous for its wildflower trails and rich moonshining past. Mm. Um, so I think that this um, this cheese is inspired um, by kind of um, by that um, because it is uh, um, it is wrapped in local fig leaves that have been soaked in Chattanooga whiskey, which was the first legal whiskey um, to be distilled in Chattanooga since Prohibition. Mm. So that is one of my favorite. <laughs> That's a little favorite fun little it's fun It's delicious. Fact. It's tangy. It's creamy. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of sweetness. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that what sweet notes probably from the whiskey. Yeah. Um, Maybe the milk, too. The texture is more... I'd say it's firmer than the Bailey Hazen. It's got a little bit more of a, not chew, but like. It's more crumbly. Toothsome. It's a little more crumbly than it is like dense. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It's fruity, a little sweet. It's got kind of like candy notes, some bacony notes. Um, I'm getting like a, a warming spice note. I'm like getting like a complete, like almost. Is like, that from the leaf? It might be from the leaf. Might be the kind of whiskey. No. Are you supposed to eat the leaf? Sure. I don't, um, <laughs> I don't know if you're technically supposed to, but it it's a fig leaf. It's edible, right? It is. That warming spice is from, like, almost like a... Mm. It's from the whiskey, I'm sure. Mm. Yeah. It has these kind of tropical notes, almost like pineapple mm-hmm. notes, which is kind of why I chose it to... It's a tiki cheese. It's kind of a tiki cheese. It's a cinnamony, bourbony, pineapple tiki cheese. And it actually goes really great with this cocktail from tennessee yeah delicious so good and if you um ever go to tennessee or go to see me at the rind ask me for some and i'll give you a taste and you can enjoy it just like tina and i yes (laughs) all right what's our last cheese i have one more so my next one is the next one peeps have peeps notes (laughs) yes (laughs) this next cheese tastes exactly like a peep um, so this next well, one is... it does look white and marshmallow Is, is... Not um, marshmallow No, it's pretty firm. Mm-hmm. A little crumbly. Mm. Um, it's called Castel Rosso. Mm. Also from Italy. Made by the Rosso family in Piedmonte. Or P- 
Piemonte, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> um, it is um, super acidic, tangy, um, cow's milk cheese, but it's bright white. It almost looks like a goat cheese. It's giving me feta vibes. It does kind of give you feta vibes a little you could bit. Take, you could put this cheese in where you would put a feta mm-hmm. and probably not even know the difference. Except I would maybe know the difference. Well, maybe you would. <laughs> But this cheese tastes, I mean, it tastes better than, like, grocery store feta, obviously. Is it better than feta? Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. So anyway, when I was doing my kind of research about this cheese, I learned that um, in the process of making it, they ferment the milk to help give it more acid. Um, So they kind of let it rest and acidify a little more, um, which kind of makes it super the cheese is super acidic Mm -hmm. very tangy very um for people that use this word sharp um Mm -hmm. but um and i also learned that the type of cow which is the pizzata rosa cow um is the kind of milk um the cow (laughs) chester go away this is the pizzata rosa cow um is where they get the milk to make this cheese and their milk is naturally higher in acid. Interesting. Um, so is that because of their diet, do you think? Or is it because I of think just it's their... I think it's a natural... I don't know. Maybe how their bods are. I think are. it's how their bods are. Okay. Um, but this one is not super grassy. Mm-mm. It's not really... It doesn't have that kind of like barnyard quality. Mm-hmm. I think it tastes like lemon. I think yeah. it tastes like cream. Yeah, kind of tastes like a lemon custard. Mm-hmm. Um, also, so this one's a pasteurized uh, cow's milk cheese, as as with the Bianco Sardo, it was a pasteurized se- sheep's milk cheese. Um, but this one's just fun. It's different. Yeah, it's crumbly. It's, uh, it's like throw it in your pasta salad. Mm-hmm. Um, in salads with like a vinaigrette, it's got it's very zingy, mm-hmm. um, snappy. It's so good. It's lemony. Yeah, that's what I like about it. Yeah, it's really good. But it's savory too. I love it. It's so good. Well, Angie, great job. Thanks. Good was cheeses. that a good job? I feel like I maybe bored everyone. <laughs> no, it was very interesting. Um, I think that what I th- so hmm, also good with the cocktail. Good. Um, <coughs> yeah, I mean, my favorite. Mm, I just love them all. Um, I liked the two blues the best, probably. Yeah. Um, and then I think the Bianco Sardo. Mm-hmm is um, probably the most like something I've had before. Sure. But um, it seems like it's really accessible. Yeah. I mean, if you tell people that, like, oh, it's like farm, mm-hmm. then it's people will know, kind of get the idea of what you mean. And it's true. Um, we do, you know, we sell parm from time to time at the shop. Um, but a lot of people come in asking for parm or pecorino. And it's kind of cool for me to be able to be like, oh, well, you know, we don't have those. Um, but this is another one that I love to use for pasta or pizza or salads or whatever um, and kind of introduce them to a new cheese that mm-hmm. they didn't know existed. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty cool, especially with um, Bianco Sardo. Like, that's probably why it's one of my favorites because mm-hmm. it's like kind of one of the ones that are that people learn about the most often. Nice. For me. Because awesome. everybody's looking for parm. Everybody's looking for pecorino. But nobody comes in and asks for Bianco Sardo. So. Right. That's where I come in. Awesome. <laughs> Well, thank you for your cheesentation. What? My cheese knowledge? <laughs> I was trying to say presentation, but with cheese. Oh. Cheesentation. My cheesentation. 
right. Well, um, I think I'm checking how we're doing on time. Would you like to go into our in-food news segment? Sure. All right. So um, I read an article this week mm-hmm. from Bon Appetit, mm-hmm. and I sent it to you mm-hmm. and said, read this. And I read it. Because this is crazy. Crazy. A little fucked up. Sad. Fucked Sad. up. Sad. So this story is called, If I Can Eat in Chinatown, So Can You. Mm-hmm. And basically, with, as everyone is aware, the coronavirus becoming the kind of international of pandemic, <laughs> epidemic. Is it epidemic or pandemic? What's I think it's it a pandemic. Um, basically, you know, just like really kind of at the forefront of everybody's minds right now. This article is about a um, restaurant called the No Moi Tea Parlor, um, and it is owned by a man named Wilson Tang, and it is in uh, Manhattan's Chinatown. Mm-hmm. And basically, the story is that his restaurant sales have been down by 40% in the wake of the coronavirus outbreak, um, largely as a result of xenophobia, which is the fear of Asian people, Chinese people. Xenophobia? S-I-N-O. Oh. Xenophobia. Okay, gotcha. Um, And basically about how um, people aren't eating at Chinese restaurants because, uh, frankly, because they're racists. (laughs) Um, Yes, yeah. Because people are afraid of this virus that came from China. Mm Mm-hmm is they're afraid that it's going to be in Chinese restaurants and in Chinatowns all over the world, Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Uh, but I think the most... Xenophobia is the fear of Chinese people specifically, not just Asian people. Okay. Anyway. Thanks for <laughs> correct. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what I mean, what are your reactions of this story? I mean, obviously it's kind of upsetting it's upsetting for sure um it's crazy that people even you know like healthy people and i i I, we've been asking ourselves this since kind of the outbreaks of coronavirus is who is it affecting is it affecting healthy 30 year olds like us is it affecting you know unhealthy you know old people not even as who, who's it affecting, but like people that are dying from it. Right. Who are those people? I mean, I need to know their ages. Right. Where <laughs> do the major? How scared do we really have to be? Right. I mean, an elderly person is more likely to die from just the regular flu as well. Right. Right. Um, and that's what I've been hearing a lot of too. Anyway, what I was trying to say is, you know, like we've been trying to understand where i've been trying to understand where the fear is coming from because if you're a healthy person i don't with good hygiene with good hygiene (laughs) yes that's important i don't think that it's i don't think that you should be afraid to live your life every day and go out and go to restaurants and go to the store and nobody should be fucking hoarding toilet paper or hand sanitizer because that's ridiculous um just go out and live your life anyway that said that it is really sad that in that the coronavirus outbreak has been affecting restaurants. You know, I feel like not, I mean, Chinese restaurants for sure, because the thing that made me the most upset about this article is that they used a picture of the um, tea parlor 
in a New York Post, right? A New York Post or a New York, uh, New York Times. Times Post is what I meant to say. They used a picture as if it was like ground zero for Yeah, they used a picture of the, the restaurant <laughs> as the cover photo of an article about coronavirus. Yeah. When coronavirus, when this is just a picture of a Chinese restaurant. Right. It's not even slightly related to, related <laughs> to coronavirus. Coronavirus. And so, A, that's just shitty reporting and shitty, shitty reporting journalism and also racist yeah um, <laughs> again but yeah and so like that was kind of he said that if you google um what's it called uh nom nom yeah nom um and coronavirus like that, that art that like picture up. comes up yeah um and so uh, i don't know feel bad for him um, I feel bad for him. I feel bad for the Chinese restaurants everywhere. Probably. I mean, this is you know Chinatown in in Manhattan, I feel bad which for is a God. It's just like a highly you know it's a it's a higher, <laughs> but it's like it's just you know more. I can't even think of my thought. Anyway, I'm sure that Chinese restaurants probably everywhere are also experiencing this kind of. Um, fear yeah um but can't live in fear uh another thing he was saying in the article is that it's not just i mean it's specifically he's lost a lot of his chinese and asian Mm. customers as well Mm -hmm. because they're kind of out there living in fear of the same things as we are yeah um we not not me personally (laughs) (laughs) um but and I mean, he does say that, like, you know, he his restaurant is like renowned and it's well known and it's very popular, and that his experience of his decline in sales mean that for lunch they only turn over once instead of two or three times, or they normally have a long, long wait and you can get a table right in. Mm-hmm. So it's not like his restaurant is empty, but he is saying that there's a lot of other smaller, lesser known, um, like kind of mom and pop places that are coming up empty like every yeah. day yeah and um you know i think it's just well it's funny that you you know you sent this article to me and i read it and but before i read this article i was thinking about you know our own restaurants mm-hmm. are they gonna be you know are people gonna have the fear of coronavirus and stay in on the weekends and stay in on weeknights when they're you know normally going to happy hour and going to go eat cheese or going to go eat pizza like that was my my thought. I was like, is coronavirus keeping everybody inside? And yeah. I was like, well, you know, what happens to our businesses? Because we're locally owned businesses. Like, mm-hmm. it's it, it's kind of a fear for us as well that it's like, oh, my gosh. Well, I'm a small business. You're, you know, you work in a small business. Like, it's, it's very real for, you know, us too. Right. Nobody's safe. Nobody's safe. That said, I mean, I think... Like I said but before, you know, you shouldn't you shouldn't fear going outside. Just do what they say and wash your hands. Wash your hands. Stay home if you don't feel good. <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah. Go to the doctor. Go if to you, the doctor if you like, don't. If you start to feel flu symptoms. Yeah. And I mean, you know, just I just think common sense. It's all about common sense. I and I think that you know, well, it's probably maybe not to be taken super lightly. You know, there's still no. concerns. But as long as you keep up your good hygiene, like I know all of our fabulous listeners do, 
Well, and it's funny I hope I was they even, do. <laughs> I was even talking to this guy from work the other day about it, and he was like, he's like, you know what? He's like, I'm not afraid. He's like, if I start to hear that like coronavirus is taking down like half the city, yeah, then then I'll maybe start to be like, oh shit, like I should probably stay inside. Yeah, but I mean, until I mean, and not even until it gets to that point. But it's just like at this point, um, especially since Ohio does not have any cases yet i don't think so correct indiana and kentucky do yeah um but uh i mean especially if you live in a place where there haven't been any cases or very small amount of cases like just continue living normally and you know i was hearing don't be afraid and don't be afraid to and also if you don't go to a chinese restaurant because you're afraid of coronavirus you're a racist and you're a piece of shit definitely to sit down (laughs) definitely stay home i don't think that that corona racist and chinese or corona (laughs) coronavirus and chinese restaurants are not mutually exclusive okay (laughs) don't let yourself think that because you're probably racist if you do that makes you a bad person and you know go out to restaurants don't worry about it like yeah if you be fine if you catch coronavirus and die it's not my fault (laughs) it was just your time it was just your time you know nobody asked for this yes like (laughs) like the, the Dwight Schrute, we need a new plague. <laughs> well, that's like the memes about the coronavirus are so funny because they're like, there was one that's like, all the millennials, oh, I just want to die. We need a new plague. Like, <laughs> There's too many stupid people there's on too the many stu- And then it's like a coronavirus. <laughs> why that's are, why are you running away? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, what else do you have? Do you have anything else? Mm. I think we're good on time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Since we were trying to keep things a little bit shorter, I had some another thing for us to talk about but um we can save that for another time um do you have anything else to add um i don't you know cool i i I have this this will be my clothing line drink good drinks eat good food and wash your damn hands there you go (laughs) um thank you everyone for listening uh we're glad to be back yes we are um i hope that our return has been everything you wanted it to be I know a lot of people have been telling us that we need to get back mm-hmm. to it. Um, so hopefully you all are listening. And welcome to any new listeners we might have as well. We're really excited about this upcoming season. Yeah, We've got a lot of cool, fun, interesting, funny content we think that you guys will like. And like I said, we're excited to take the show into a kind of a different direction. And this different but the same. Um, For sure, yeah. And uh, hope that you guys appreciate what we're putting out for you and uh if you do appreciate it please like rate us and review us on itunes like and subscribe spotify stitcher we're on all of them um and if you see anything weird in the grocery store let us know we will try it if you have anything you want us to eat if you have anything you want us to talk about if you have any ideas for recipes you want us to try to make if you have ideas for cocktails anything like that uh we're on instagram at our sunday table podcast we have a website that is our Sunday Table Podcast. Mm-hmm. We are our Sunday Table at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. We have a Facebook page. Yeah. Um, and and if you know us personally, text us. Yeah, text <laughs> us or you know whatever. Facebook so, message us. Um, all right. Well, that's gonna do it I for me. Yeah. And uh, everybody have a great rest of your week. We'll see you next time. See ya.